You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and good day, good people. I hope you are doing great out there. I'm bringing you another episode today and I am super stoked about it. Today, I am talking to Mitch Stark from Silent Planet. If you are not familiar with that band, I highly suggest you sliding over to your streaming platform of choice and familiarizing yourself. You're going to be very, very, very glad you did. I don't have too much business to get into this week, but I do want to let you know that the Tone Mob text chat is back. I know it's been offline for probably two years or so. What happened was the provider I was using to facilitate that had to raise their prices significantly. We're talking like over four times what I was paying. It's some governmental regulation stuff that you don't really care about, but all that to say is the plug got pulled on it basically overnight. I didn't even have a chance to send off a final like, hey, the text chat is going away, people. I know this has been a lot of fun, but it's got to go away. I didn't even get a chance to do that. All of a sudden, it was just radio silence. So forgive me. I'm sorry to everybody who was enjoying that platform. There were several hundred of you on there. But I bring a bit of good news. The text chat is back. I was able to get back with that company and negotiate prices for at least the next year or so that I could actually afford. So it's a lot more expensive than what I was doing before, but I think it was one of the coolest things outside of the podcast itself that I got to do, which is just text directly with all of you. And the thing about it is I do it way, way differently than your standard text marketing quote unquote person might. So where you might just get like discount codes or some random broadcast things, that's not what this is about. This is about having a conversation. So yes, I would send out random broadcast things to everybody, but I made sure to always try to respond to the best of my abilities. And we would actually have conversations on there that maybe had nothing to do with the podcast, maybe had nothing to do with gear, but it was actually something I would use to communicate directly with everyone over there. I genuinely have never heard of or seen anybody else do it in the way that I was doing it. I'm not saying that nobody was, I just am not aware of it. So I understand if you're not interested, but if you are, the number for that is 503-751-8577. That's 503-751-8577. And that will be in the show notes. So don't go swerving off the road to write that down or anything. But if you send a text to that number, you will get a direct response from an automated system that will opt you into it. And if you decide you don't want to hear from that number or me anymore, then you simply text stop and it will automatically take you off the list. So no harm, no foul. It doesn't cost you any money. And it's a great way to stay in touch with me if that's something you want to do. So shoot a text over there if you'd like to participate. That would be really cool. And if not, Well, that's fine too. I'm easy to get a hold of on other platforms. So let's get into this episode with Mitch Stark from Silent Planet. Here we go.
Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wyland. With me today, I have Mitch Stark from Silent Planet. What's going on, dude? Hi, how are you? You know, I'm doing all right. I thought I was in for a chill day here, but that changed in the last 20 minutes, so now it'll be back to my usual running around like chicken with uh, my head cut off. So, you know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Fortunately, none of it's too bad. It's just like... Yeah, went from, ah, yeah, I won't have anything to do after this podcast is over. And I should have known that wasn't going to hold. Nah. <laughs> but it's all good. How you been? Good, man. Um, just home from tour now. Slowly reacclimating to life at home. Mm-hmm. Starting to write again and make some preparations for um, a tour that we have in the works. A secret tour. But yeah, just secret tour. Ooh. Yeah, just getting back to regular life, you know? It always takes me a little bit of time to readjust to not waking up in a van and mm-hmm. oh, I have dishes I have to do and I'm not just eating takeout <laughs> all the time. <laughs> right. Got to start going to the gym again and not eating like a uh, Mhm. Sure. So yeah, yeah, just just starting to get back into the the groove of home life and trying to stay creative and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is it as much of an adjustment the other way? You know, I knew early on, listeners have heard me say this a million times, but I want, I love music. It's an essential part of my life, but I knew I was not cut out for touring life from a very young age. I hate road trips. I was like, no, nah, I'm just not, I'm not built for it. Um, not tough enough. But is it t- difficult to adjust coming off of tour or going on tour? Like, obviously, coming off is an obvious adjustment, or are you kind of like ready to go every time? You know, I feel like I kind of was made to do it. And like you said, yeah, it's not for everybody. Not everybody is um, good at sitting in the car for 12 hours at a time and sleeping in a moving vehicle and all of that. But for me, no, it's it's always kind of easy. I usually am looking forward to it. And I will say it's it's definitely... A little stressful getting up and going when a tour is starting. The, mm-hmm. the first little week of rehearsals, making sure everything works, which nothing ever works. It, it's crazy. Sure. <laughs> you, everything's set up one way. You play, go on tour, play a bunch of shows, come home, relax for a month, go back out on tour again, and all of a sudden, none of the gear works. Sure. Uh, so the first few days getting into it are are stressful and difficult in that sense. But as for the the mental switch from of lifestyles. No, I, I actually kind of love it. Um, particularly international stuff. Cause it's Oh really? Just, yeah. I mean, that's, that's extra stressful, uh, to get up and go do those things. Anytime there's a, an airplane involved and getting all of your gear onto the airplane. And that's terrifying. The, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, waking up in a new place every day in in Europe or somewhere in Asia or just oh, that's yeah. I I know I'm cut out for it cuz I I seriously just I dream about that. Not even playing the shows, just like I love being sort of transient and moving around and it, it's a it's a weird way to live life for sure, but I enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, I feel that. I do like travel. I do like seeing new places. It's just like the the actual grind of it all. I was like, yeah, there's no way. Um, <laughs> there's no way I could do it. 
But I, yeah. I am glad that there are people in this world who can, because live music is one of my very favorite things. And uh, if people weren't willing to tour, then I wouldn't get to see a whole lot of it. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a different one of those different strokes for different folks things for sure. Mm. But um, did you always know this is what you wanted to do? Like, let's go back to the the early days. You know, when when you were a wee lad coming up thinking about playing in a band was, did you know this is what you were going to do yeah i did uh it's it's funny it's a really good story actually and it's it's, it's funny that you brought this up because i i remember telling my mom when i was about eight or nine i had just started playing guitar i wasn't i wasn't anything special on the guitar um but i just loved music so much and she was like, oh, you know, now that you're playing guitar, are you going to join a big band and get famous and buy me a house and everything? And I was like, no, mom, I'm probably going to live in a van. I might have like an apartment, you know, I don't know. Probably not going to be able to buy you a house. <laughs> and it's going to be it's going to be hard and it's going to be, you know, I had no concept at the time of what grinding was. Um but I knew that it was going to be hard work and that it was going to be um, mostly traveling and, you know, playing for 30 minutes a day. But then the rest of the time was just kind of hard work and behind the scenes stuff. Anyways, yeah, I always knew that I wanted to do this and I just got very lucky and kind of one of those people that didn't have a fallback plan mm-hmm. at all. I still don't. I'm just kind of like all in this and... um Hopefully it continues to pay off, <laughs> but yeah. How long have you been full-time as a musician? Um, a, approaching 10 years now. That's what I was thinking. It has to be at least that ballpark. So I've been yeah. familiar with you guys for quite a while. So I was trying to think 10 years ago, you know, the world was a very different place. You know, obviously... Some things never change in the band life, like the touring and the writing and all that is still crucial. But 10 years ago, it's not like you had to worry about what was going on on Instagram. You know, have you yeah. as a band changed your approach over that time frame to just like, quote unquote, marketing your band or interacting with your fans, etc.? Yeah, um, it's really weird to be alive right now because of that like it's and and it's just like the technology is increasing in scope uh like exponentially and it's constantly changing so yeah i mean when i first started touring in the band i definitely we definitely had an instagram and like it seemed then that the whole name of the game was like make cool t-shirts and post on instagram in black Mm -hmm. and white and that was like then you're set and then before long, it was like, no, now we need videos. And now Spotify is a thing. And we honestly were pretty slow to to change. Um, and we still kind of are. Because um, none of us in the band are like in our early 20s. None of us are like really TikTokers or anything like that. So trying to keep up with the the caliber and quantity of content that's coming out from some of these other social media users and bands on social media is, uh, it's kind of daunting. It's definitely mm-hmm. not something that comes naturally to any of us in the band. I don't think, especially me. Um, but yeah, it's, it is weird to be in a band that whole time and sort of 
see the the world and industry around you kind of change a little bit and uh yeah we're trying though we're, we're on patreon now and we're doing pretty good at staying active with that and that's been a really cool experience to be able to present some like not so serious uh not so you know image concerned content to mm-hmm. uh, to our, our core fans who were willing to to join us on there but more just like you know here's a here's an iphone video of a demo that i made for the last record that didn't get on the album or you know just stuff like that mm-hmm. uh but yeah uh 10 years is a long time and th- things do be changing these days pretty quickly oh, man it's it's difficult and uh, you know it's part of my job to try to keep up with all that stuff and even as somebody who is full-time doing it it's like wow um can I just pause for a moment and we can get our get our feet under us and figure out I what know. reality is until like, oh, next next week we're going to be doing, I don't know, stickers or something like just there's always some new thing, which is let fun. me catch up, please. Yeah. Let me just <laughs> mentally wrap my mind around what happened last week, <laughs> you know, and uh, yes, it's uh, but, you know, it's not to complain. There's. There's a lot worse things in this world so than uh, trying to keep up with social media is a relatively yeah. light burden compared to it other is. things. I always have to remind myself at the end of the day that like, hey, your living is to play music and to write music. And I mean, I wake up every day for the most part excited to go in my room and just try to write the next thing, you know, um, mm-hmm. and that's. I wouldn't trade that for anything, you know, trying to keep up with the, with the younger generation on the internet is like a very small price to pay (laughs) to, uh, (laughs) to be able to do this for, for a living. So I definitely don't take it for granted. Absolutely. There are obviously times where it gets frustrating or you get mad at something or there's some situation you don't want to be dealing with. But what I try to remind myself in those moments is, Hey, remember when you were, hanging upside down inside of the an excavator covered in hydraulic oil. That was a lot worse than this. So chill. Like it's not yeah. that bad. You Whoa, know, that sounds crazy. Yeah, I was I was a heavy equipment mechanic for a long time. So I had to do all kinds of weird stuff. I had to refurbish a garbage compactor one time, like a lo- one that like drives through a landfill. That was Whoa. disgusting. Like that was horrible. Didn't like that at all, but Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. So what do you do? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I suppose, but man, well, kudos to you for. I mean, now you're now you're doing something I I presume you enjoy much more. Yes, yeah, I like the guitar industry <laughs> a lot better than the heavy equipment industry for sure. Than the garbage compactor industry. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. lot more enjoyable for sure. I mean, I get to do things. I get to talk to people about things that I care about for a living. So yeah, I'm not mad about that at all. That's a yeah, but kudos good place to, to the be. people. Kudos to the people working on heavy equipment because powers the world, right? For real, need, it really does. Those people doing those jobs, yeah, so, it's it's respect. insanely important and overlooked still, even in this day and age when there's all this information out there. Those mm. jobs are still like the silent ones that keep right keep the us thankless. being able to do what we do, right? So switching gears a little bit, ha gears, ha ha. Uh, I want to get into <laughs> nice. some gear. What over the the decade that you've been doing this has your rig evolved? I'm assuming it has. Almost everyone has. So, uh, what did you start with, and where are you at now? 
Yeah. Um, I think similarly to the the last topic of the uh, social media and just general internet content change, I've also been pretty slow to assimilate into modern technology when it comes to gear. But um, I'm I'm catching up now. When, when I started, I was let's see, I was like exclusively fifty one fifty block letter, like old old fifty one fifty head mm -hmm. and completely sold on the tube amp thing um i basically have always ran some version of a 5150 it's either the, the old block letter or when that um crapped out on me i switched to the uh the 5153 i had the 50 watt guy for many many years and my rig for the most part of our touring career has always been uh actual head and cab on stage uh pedal board four cable method with you know uh the typical typical things strymon blue sky um just some random delay pedals that i barely used i mostly just use reverb honestly for a mm -hmm. long time i wasn't even using a tube screamer or anything i was completely like doing things the wrong way if you were to ask like one of my one of my contemporaries they'd be like oh that's so dumb why would you not do that you need you need this you need this and you need that i never ran a tube screamer um my tone was always i was getting complimented on it all the time and i thought it was funny because most of the time the people complimenting me were running axe effects or kemper or you know they'd have these big crazy crazy patches and these irs they get from the internet and they would spend so much time on it. And then at the end of the show, they would be like, man, I can't get my guitar to sound like yours. And it was just like the irony of that, because I don't know anything, really. I just have always <laughs> used an amp. I, I turn up the mids probably more than I should. I have like almost no high end on the amp. And for whatever reason, that always sounded best to me and to other people as well, I guess. Now... Uh, flash forward in 2017, I think. Yeah, 2017, 2018. I got my hands on a Helix, mm -hmm. the the floor unit, um, after I was recommended by a friend that I try it. And it took me forever to figure it out. Finally started using it live and made the transition from like, I only use real amps and cabs to now I'm totally direct and... There's no stage sound. Everything is coming through my ears. And that was a that was a big learning curve and honestly more like a philosophical battle I had with myself. Mm -hmm. Like I get it. Oh, I used to be the guy that wanted all real everything. And now I'm becoming the lazy guy who just wants to have everything on the ground with no other stuff. I shouldn't say lazy, but I, I guess maybe more just like practical. And, and once you start traveling a lot and, you know, touring Japan and China and doing doing stuff like that where the means of traveling change often. It's like sometimes you're on a train, sometimes you're on an airplane, sometimes you're packed into a, a Uber XL for several hours. It's just like, man, I don't want to, I don't, can't bring an amp head and cap with me and I don't want to rely on random people to supply them for me so i'm just gonna take control of it and 
have something small. Mm-hmm. And um, now we're moving to neural. We're getting quad cortexes. And I'm about to just MIDI automate all of my effects changes and volume swells and pitch shifting and mutes. And I'm just going to go whole nine yards, completely, completely opposite end of the spectrum from where I started. Do you miss the 5150 and all that on stage at all? Or are you over it? I'm over it. Wow. He's over it. Yeah, yeah, a big, a big transition. Um, no, uh, once you, once you spend years and years lugging that stuff around, and then you transition to something that's like this big on the floor that mm-hmm. you press, you press one button and eight things happen. There's, I, to me, there's no going back. And I've, like I said, I'm not really a tone guy. Um, so it's funny to have me on here because I can't talk about bias and, <laughs> and what tubes I'm using in any of that. Um, that's the farthest thing for me. I just know if I like how it sounds. Um, but having gone digital like that, I can't tell a freaking difference at all. Um, if I was watching a band live, you know, blindfolded, I wouldn't know if it was real amps or digital. So I, if I can't tell, I'm going to assume that most of the people in the audience probably can't tell. The only people who are going to notice anything like that are like, you know, tone, tone experts, the Will Putneys of the world, you know. Right. Um, and that's a very small percentage of people. So I'm just going to save my back and save space in the trailer and just start carrying around a quad cortex and a rack shelf and call it a day. It's a thing that I've noticed with, particularly with heavy bands, is almost everybody that I've interviewed in the... I can't even think of any exceptions to this rule really has, has went that way. One form of it or another Kempers, I mean, insert whatever it is here, Axe Effects, Neural, they've, they're doing one of those. Mm. And it is really just down to just that. I've been carrying half stacks my whole life. I'm tired of carrying half stacks around and it's, you know, for me, I'm spoiled. Like I don't have to take anything anywhere. So I'm like, yes, give me the Ampeg refrigerator cab and everything because it's going to stay in one spot for the rest of its life. Sure. It's not, not the same thing. Right. So I, on one hand, I'm like, Oh man, but the real deal is so cool. And without the real deal, we wouldn't even have the digital thing. But from a practical standpoint, if I was touring all over the world, I guarantee you I'd be using one of those. There's just, I, I could maybe, maybe see myself using a small wedge or something to have some stage volume just for the feel of it, but mm. maybe not. I might, I might be able to get used to it. It's uh, it's just, at the end of the day, you're on tour to try to support yourself. And if you're making it harder to support yourself by making it logistically more difficult, well, just just for those you know that hour and a half or whatever that you you get to have the the real deal it's like i mean if you're in metallica go for it but even they're rumored to have gone digital these days so Mm. who really knows for sure yeah i and to be fair i i didn't go fully from like half stacks on stage to being completely direct to front of house there was a period of time where i ran the helix through a power amp through the cab so it was like best of both worlds kind of situation. But even then, um, started having issues with the power amp I was using. And I was like, man, I don't like 
having to troubleshoot any of this stuff, you know, if, if the difference between me, like I can put my Helix stuff, I can put the quad cortex stuff, can save all of that in a cloud on a flash drive, whatever, plug it into another one. If something goes wrong, I don't want to sit there and troubleshoot which patch cable on my pedal board is, you know, the one that's making this ground sound. Like, I don't want any of that. I just <laughs> I want to plug and play. I want to just get on stage and not think about my gear. Um, I want to get on stage and just focus on performing well and being able to share in the experience with the audience a little bit in ways that I used to not be able to because I was too busy tap dancing or um, uh, trying to make sure that everything's running smoothly because I was also mm-hmm. the playback tech of the band. So uh, I had a lot you. of I had a lot of hats on at once and it was just difficult to fully be present during the show because I'm thinking like, okay, I have to cue the next song and change tunings and go to this patch and you know, blah, 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 blah. Too much stuff. I just want to just want to stand there and deliver and have fun. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's, that, the, that's the real thing. Have fun. Yep, absolutely. Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Maris Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate. And 99 preset locations in 33 banks? And something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at Maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my Pocky? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services, and it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than two bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. So... We've talked about the amp. It's funny. Every time I talk to somebody in the heavier scene, it always, when I'm like, tell me about your rig, it never starts with the guitar. It always starts with the amp. And if they run a pedal board, then they go backwards through there. And then eventually we get to the guitars. But what are you playing for yeah. guitars? Yeah. So I'm a artist with a company called Balagir who Love Balagir. Make, yeah. Joe's awesome. Yeah. Custom stuff. They're amazing. Um, I was talking to a couple of companies. I used to be with Ibanez. And I was kind of shopping around to some other companies and sort of just was met with some lukewarm responses like, yeah, we'd be willing to work with you. 
And I reached out to Balaguer and they were like, we've been waiting for a long time to receive this message. We love your band. We're so stoked about this. And I was like, cool, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. It's way it's way cooler to be able to work with a company who um, has their ear to the ground a bit and is not just doing it for the sake of like, oh, here's another person to help market our product. But like, we actually enjoy this musician and their band, you know? So yeah, um, they're awesome. I can't say enough good things about them. Currently, I have three of their guitars. Um, my main one is an Espada, if you're familiar with that shape. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 28 and a half inch scale length, set neck. Um, currently in it, I th- believe I have a set of Balaguer Backwoods P90s. It's tuned to drop E. And I'm typically pitch shifting lower than that. It's an amazing guitar. It's very solid. It's beautiful. Sturdy as hell. That's my main. Interesting that you got the P90s in it for that kind of a... It's not typically what you hear about when somebody's drop tuning like that, for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, it's... uh, That's something that goes really far back with me, is I used to be in a band with a guy... When I was a teenager, he was a bit older, but I was a teenager, and he was the gear aficionado. This mm-hmm. guy was the first person I'd ever seen to have like a high watt or like a, a green or Mad Amp, Doctor Z, all all these boutique crazy things I'd never seen, ever never heard of. He had all these amps and all these like super rare Gibsons, and we were playing. Gosh, it wasn't good. We were playing sort of like bad attack attack type music at the time. Okay. <laughs> but he was always using weird guitars to play this kind of music. He was either using single coils, he would just play like a strat and drop C. Um, so he got me playing an American Tele with just the the standard single coil Tele bridge pickup. And as a teenager, I always really liked how that sounded it was unique because everybody else at the time was like here's my guitar with emgs and it just Mm -hmm. sounds like you know like an emg so it had this like kind of cool snarly bite to it fast forward you know i've been kind of just following the status quo and using humbuckers for a long time and started to see other bands that we enjoyed a lot uh like loathe or our friends in thornhill using p90s in this low sort of sludgier sound and i was like i want to i want to experiment with that so i picked up a couple guitars that had uh various things like i have a dan electro with like a crazy lipstick pickup in it um and a squire that has p90s in it and i started messing around with it and i was like i really like this it's cool um it doesn't always fit the vibe correctly um Mm -hmm. like in the studio there's certain parts where i'm like uh i think i want the the more standard metal sound here but in general i'm always looking for ways to like step just a little bit outside of the normal sound that you would expect so yeah and balaguer's p90 is really sick it's called the backwoods i was talking to them about maybe making one like i want to use something but i don't know if it exists and they were like, why don't you just try this existing set that we made first? And I'm pretty sure you're going to love it. But try it out first. So they sent it to me, and they were correct. It's really, really cool. Nice. Yeah. I probably 
probably just keep using that. Um, I have another Espada that is a like a rustic ash, dark red finish. This is more like my normal guitar. It's a 26 and a half inch. I keep that one in drop A sharp. Both of these guitars have Evertunes, um, kind of staying in line with that. Like, I just want to set it and forget it. I don't want to mess with anything. So that's been incredible, switching to Evertune guitars live and not having to tune during the show. Uh, man, just absolutely game-changing. I, I still have never lived. I've played guitars with Evertunes, but I've never lived with one. I mm. would like to, to do that one of these days. It will change your life. Uh, especially for recording. I mean, it's, it's obviously, right? Like, depending on who you're recording with, you know, you're probably going to be tuning your guitar in between every take. Absolutely. Just just about. And so having an Evertune just, man, you can really fly through metal guitar tracking with an Evertune. It's like crazy. What are your other... You got one more, uh, one more Balagur, I think? Yeah, yeah. Um... It was the first one that they sent me, actually. It's not a custom. It was um, a limited production run they did. And it's a Growler, which is more like, um, I guess, like a, a Fender Jazzmaster Jaguar type body. Um, just a black Growler, 27 inches. Uh, and that one I keep in my sort of weird tuning for uh, like the middle of our catalog where I was tuning my guitar. Kind of stupid. <laughs> um, it, no ever tune so i'm able to like switch between tunings pretty easily um what do that. you mean by kind of stupid uh like the whole guitar is tuned to drop a sharp but one string is tuned lower okay <laughs> and then sometimes it goes even lower and then sometimes it actually goes even lower but everything else is the same um so yeah for i'm, I'm assuming people listening to this are going to understand what i mean Oh, yeah. Drop A sharp, that's basically C standard with the C dropped to an A sharp. We have songs where that A sharp will go down further to a G sharp. And then songs where it goes down to a G. And then a couple where it goes down to F sharp. So, that's got to be tough to try to get the right gauge that's going to work with all of that on there. That's yeah. A big, that's, a big, that's a big leap. It is. So that one string on that guitar is substantially thicker than the others. And I kind of, it's not perfect. Um, ideally, you know, I'd have a different guitar for each of those. But we, we realistically only play songs now um, where I'm in the G version of that tuning. Okay. So I don't have to worry about the F sharp one. That was tricky because that's really low. That's really, not, yeah. When that, when that string's F sharp and the next one is F, like you have a almost you have a major seventh interval between these two strings next to each other. That's crazy. That's like too much. Um, <laughs> but it does allow you to 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 play the major seventh interval, just open like open chugging, not having to do this like big split thing. You know, right? Just being able to do that. So I thought that was a good idea at the time, and it helped me write a couple songs. But so it wasn't, wasn't too bad of an idea then. You got a couple songs out of it. We did, but I don't think, man, it's been years since we've even played one of those songs live. Um, and yeah, I'm not sure if you're familiar with our, our newest stuff, but the most successful song we've ever had is just, uh, just came out. It's called Antimatter. And the chorus, the, the big part of that song is just me playing the open string, like open. There's, there's like no riff to it at all. And just, 
it seems to be the most uh, the most well received thing we've ever made. And I'm just going da 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 da. No left hand at all. So all those years of me tuning the guitar all crazy and doing all this, and you know, now we we just shoot it straight up the middle, and everybody likes it. No, you just all right, fine. Hey, whatever, whatever, right? It's fun to play. I'll I'll say that much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's still to this day. It's it's incredible if you look at like especially some artists in the the country scene or whatever. It's like wow. We really still are getting a long ways with these cowboy chords. Like, really, really are filling up stadiums with cowboy chords still. It's yeah. kind of wild. There's this whole new thing that I, I was really unaware of until recently. There's, like, this, this like, new genre that's kind of, like, country hip-hop mashup, sort of. Like, sort of, Yeah, yeah, it's been, they've been trying to do that for a while. It's taken off in some ways. Um, yeah. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I agree. It's it's kind of it's kind of bizarre. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it entirely. Granted, I'm not much of a of a country fan to begin with, um, but then hearing it with like trap hi hats and like you know more uh, hip hop rap adjacent samples and stuff going on, but the singer has like a twang and is talking about like whiskey and stuff. Like ah, this doesn't quite feel correct, but who am I to say? <clears throat> Who am I? Well, I am a I'm a big country fan. Uh, I'm I mean I, I kind of go all over the place, but I grew up with outlaw country and stuff, so I'm a a big fan of country music, and uh, it hasn't really been on the radio in a long time, in my opinion. Uh, mm. Listeners are very aware of my my rather <laughs> my stance on that. We'll just put it put it at that. Okay, but but um, and I love metal. I love punk. I love heavy music. And the other day, I'm not going to name the group because mostly because I don't remember who they were, but also I, I don't like publicly bashing anyone in particular. But I heard a group that attempted to merge country, like straight up country, and, or actually not straight up country, more like modern country, and metalcore. And it was, it was as bad as you think it was. I, I, <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was it, it, it hurt my soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Don't you, don't take two things that I love and try to ruin both of them." Like, <laughs> don't do that to me. It was yeah. So it, I, I, yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot. I'm sure I'm gonna run into these people at some point and I've been like, "Well, I heard what you said." No, probably not. I probably will never see them. But yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a rough thing for my body. That's why we to, don't name names. So we're not naming names. It could be anyone. I could be talking about anybody right now or nobody. Maybe I made that whole thing up. It's definitely <laughs> possible. Yeah, but, but I, I feel you. I, at the same time, though, like I feel like you have to experiment, right? And you do. some of the coolest things ever are definitely born from just taking two disparate things and putting them together, and so. Uh, while I agree with you, I think on principle, like it's, it's maybe a good thing that it was tried, you know, um, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to love that though. Honestly, um, that's, the, that's the thing at the end of the day, like who, who am I? I'm some dude in a shed in Oregon. Who cares? Like, it's not for me. That's fine. It's for somebody else. That's okay. Yeah. As I get older, I get more, I, I get better at adopting that perspective. 
for sure. Um, Cause not everything is for everybody and that's fine. Well, and then some of the things that I like, I can't be mad at the general public for not accepting some of the, like the more extreme things that I'm into, you know, like, yeah. Because even for me, it, some of this was an acquired taste. So the fact that my mom doesn't want to hear dudes screaming over chuggy riffs, I can't, I'm not upset at my mom because that's not what she's into, you know? <laughs> yeah, of, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's actually a good point is that a lot of the stuff that we're interested in as maybe metal guys or whatever is kind of an acquired taste. And I don't know. It also seems like, the 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 whole world of music is evolving towards our acquired tastes like you know um when i was a little kid the really heavy stuff that i was listening to was like megadeth Mm -hmm. and metallica and i had no idea that you know at, at the time i really don't think anything that much heavier existed. I guess maybe Mashuga. Mashuga's been doing Mashuga for Mashuga. I mean, thirty years now. It, that's the thing. Like that stuff. I think we're probably in the ballpark of the same age. Yeah, I'm thirty five. Um, mm-hmm. So things things existed, but there was no way we were going to have access to them. Right. Mm-hmm. We heard Megadeth and Metallica on the radio and from somebody's older brother or something, but. And and Cannibal Corpse existed, but there's no way we would have known that until much later. Yeah. You know, that that was obviously way heavier, and there were thousands of people listening to that band. But I didn't know they existed. Right. <laughs> so how different would my life be if I was listening to Meshuggah when I was seven instead of Metallica? Hmm. Probably pretty different. Probably so. I That's think so. Point. I mean, I just it would have saved me a lot of time. I would have started to develop that sort of affinity for complicated polyrhythmic stuff much sooner. I guess it's just a, a matter of like when I was exposed to it, you know. But that's a good that's a good point. You know, I I didn't even get into that stuff until more into my early teens. Mm. So thinking back, you know, what it's weird how our our experiences as kids really do shape us and i'm just spe- strictly speaking about music like obviously everything happens to you when you're a kid it impacts you but if yeah if you had heard Mashuga or something at seven or if i had the question is would i have been ready for it or would i have been like well this is too much for my brain i don't like this and not listen to it ever again yeah that's also a very good point going from uh for whom the bell tolls to yeah uh to bleed would have been pretty crazy it would have been probably too much. You're right. It's weird. Maybe not. Maybe that's the thing that we always would have been into. But I feel like it's probably more a result of things compounding on each other. You know, mm-hmm. I remember when I first heard Linkin Park in the radio. And I was like, I didn't Dude, know I was, people could scream in music. I was just thinking about Linkin Park. Like on the topic of, you know, blending two things together that, you know, maybe don't go together. But man... Talk about the like ultimate example of that. Mm-hmm. Still one of my favorite bands. I just listened to their first two records the other day on a, a little road trip I was taking. And I was like, man, even though I'm almost 20 years old, not 20 years older than when I first heard it, 
it still hits just about the same. Like, man, yeah. <laughs> it really held up. And it's still cool. If there, if a band came out now where the dude was like rapping and the other guy was like, I would be like, this is kind of whack. But this band somehow nailed it all that time. Like, man, genius. Well, that's, the, that's the first time I can remember he- hearing down-tuned guitars and understanding that that's what it was. Well, I didn't understand what it was at first. I had to figure mm-hmm. it out. But yeah, re- hearing a drop-tuned guitar, I mean... Yes, I had corn I was aware of, but that was like so much different that I just I knew that I don't I don't know what those guys are doing, but they're doing something weird with their guitars. Yeah. Lincoln Park, I could still recognize it as a guitar riff, but down. And sure. and like just knowing that it was possible for somebody to scream like that and it was gonna be on the radio just blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. Yeah, <laughs> game changing for hearing. sure. So so sick. Uh love that band. I think, I think for a lot of us, you know, I mean, I'm, when Chester died, I was, you know, sometimes celebrity dies, you know, celebrities die, and it's it's always a bummer when anyone passes. But I was shocked at how much Chester's death affected me. Like it yeah. hit me right in the gut. I was, and every time I think about it, I get like a little bit upset. It's yeah, it's crazy. I never knew. Well, I think. Um... Uh, not that I'm the authority on this or anything, but I think he really was like one of the voices of our generation of like music listeners, mm-hmm. like him, his whole band, but just like that guy's voice. I think so many people recognize that. Like, even if you aren't like the biggest Lincoln park fan, like everybody knows in the end. Oh you yeah. Know, uh, like so recognizable and, so sad like yeah i remember where we were actually we were we were on warp tour uh playing in indianapolis and i remember being backstage and somebody broke the news to the rest of us it's just a bunch of band guys and crew people and everybody was just so heartbroken and somber and the rest of that day everybody that went on stage was like dedicating their whole set to them and it was, yeah, it was, I, I don't, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. It, it, Too sad. It's so tragic. It's, it, it, it really is. And, and it shows you, like, I think we need to do a better job. And I think we, we do, I, I, I say we as in like the general public of trying to recognize those things that, well, I think we just kind of took Lincoln Park for granted. You know, for mm. all those years until he passed, it was like, oh yeah, Lincoln Park, they're a huge band, cool. But a lot of us, I don't think, fully processed how much impact, especially in like the metal scene or whatever, how much that helped get us into this. Some of it's like what we do for a living now is partially because that band exposed so many people to a more extreme version of music that they didn't know they were even allowed to like. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. So. Yeah, we 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 all owe them a lot for various reasons, you know, whether it's just like you said, the, the general awareness amongst the public that this is a viable source of, you know, the viable thing to do musically. And also for the rest of us who make music, they're the ultimate to me, like boundary pushing act. Um, yeah. And they're still like one of my biggest influences for sure. Well, we've, we've talked about some of your other ones. So, uh, but like, who who these days do you find really inspiring? 
Yeah. So I've always been a very big Deftones guy. Oh, yeah. Um, particularly like mid-2000s Deftones. I mean, I like all of it, but um, everything from like Saturday Night to about Cornel Yokin are my favorite records, like my favorite era from them. Um, scratch that. Let's put self-titled in there as well. <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah, these days, um, honestly, not a whole, whole lot of metal. Um, whenever I am listening to music, it's like, uh, some of our contemporaries, you know, um, spirit box, friends of ours, Thornhill, um, loathe are one of my favorites. Really, really cool. Another band that's just like, all, all of those bands really are just, uh, they kind of, I think embody the same sort of energy that Lincoln park has in that they're sort of genre bending, you know, and Mm -hmm. not afraid to step out of the normal confines of what metal or metal core is. Um, And so I always find myself sort of attracted to things like that, where they're the artist is able to take a step out of the little box, you know, that, that we might be put in. Um, Aside from that though, man, I don't know. I feel like I'm not listening to a lot of music currently because I'm trying to just make a lot. Yep. And so I'll go through phases where I'm sort of like in research and development mentally. And that's when I'm listening to a lot of stuff. And really, I'm kind of just going down the Spotify rabbit hole and listening to like drum and bass or I'm listening to like um, like ambient music or really crazy jazz type. I'm just a lot of times reaching out for ideas or inspiration and then my go-to's are like glass jaw i love glass um, jaw yeah i actually to a lot of people that's interesting because they're very very different from uh from my band but I, they're one of my favorites um they have an ep called coloring book i don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that that's like maybe one of my favorite pieces of music ever because that's another thing where it's like what genre is this right i have no clue i've never heard anything else like it um but yeah those are sort of my normal rotations um also just like kind of expanding my horizons now and listening to some more recent hip-hop stuff um I don't know. I'm always really bad when people are like, what are you listening to? Because I get in the car and I open up Spotify and I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Just like queuing up all this stuff. But then when they're like, what are you listening to? I'm like, uh, for the past two days, I've been listening to this minute of a song that I've been working on on repeat. And it's all I can think about. <laughs> uh, yeah. I need to get better at getting out of the chair, getting out of the the lab and just like, walking and listening to music i get so tunnel vision when i'm working on stuff that i just yeah i can't think of any other music that exists right now lincoln park geez man like (laughs) revisiting that rabbit hole i'm just realizing now how how good they are as a band and how much of that comes from sheer simplicity Mm mm-hmm Coming from like, I don't know how familiar you are with some of our old stuff, but like, man, I used to just write riffs, just like the most complicated, noodly doodly, going for it, blah, 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 just like ADHD riffs. 
And when you listen to Linkin Park, it's like their guitar player is playing a two-bar phrase on repeat for like 30 seconds. And, and it it's works. so sick. It's so yeah. sick. It's so much cooler than anything I've ever written. And it's <laughs> the beauty of it is just how simple it is. And like that's something that I think a lot of people don't understand is how difficult it is to write something great that's simple. That is hard. I think that's the a lot of the hip hop influence in them. You know, like if mm. you listen to I I don't I'm not the biggest hip hop listener but i do i'm getting more and more into it as i get older which seems counterintuitive probably to some people but mm. uh, if you listen to a lot of it now don't get me wrong some of it's very complex but the basis of it is providing a beat and a section of music for somebody to rap over that's the that's what it is and if you listen to lincoln park the music itself is feels like it's meant to give mike and chester the chance to do their things like more mm -hmm. like showcase what they're doing than actually like, look how shreddy I am. It's just yeah. like provide a good base for them to shine on. It, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I'm totally, it's not like I've interviewed the guys and have intimate knowledge of their process, but that's what it seems like to me. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that is for sure their, their approach. I mean, I've, I've read interviews with their guitarist, Brad talking about how he wants to play guitar like a sampler. And oh, I mean, he, he does uh, like, and it's not to say that he's like repetitive or boring. It's just to say that when he, their, their music is composed in like blocks, um, which is really cool and inspiring for me because I think the way that a lot of metal guitar players write music is like sitting here at my computer, I'm going to open up my DAW. I'm going to noodle for a little bit. Okay. Maybe that's something I like. I'm going to program the drums and I'm just going to start going and going and going. Not necessarily always thinking like, okay, but there's a singer in my band. He needs space to do the thing that everybody in the audience understands. Mm -hmm. Not everybody in the audience understands all of this stuff, but they do understand <laughs> words. And uh, that's going to be the thing that really speaks to them. So I think that approach of like keeping the music very simple and as like a nice bed is... Honestly, it sounds funny, but to me, it's kind of a new concept because for the longest time, I was always like, people like our band because we're like like complicated metal, but then the vocals are also unique in a way. And now I think I'm realizing like, we should really just be like leaning into the vocal and writing in such a way that doesn't really put any of the musicians in the in the forefront, but it's more just like really, really solid foundation with a cool vibe, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's kind of what I've been doing recently is trying to write with that in mind. But again, coming from my background of sitting here and writing riffs and everything, if I was to, you know, just for example, if I was sitting here and I came up with the riff of One Step Closer and I'm just like, am I going to be stoked sitting here playing that like on a loop by myself? I'm probably like, this needs more, this needs more stuff, but it really doesn't. It doesn't need anything else. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a, an, a, like an acquired ability that I'm working on cultivating, which is like, Stop adding 
incessantly. Like just take a back seat, let the let the vocals sort of take center stage and really just dive into the the sound design and the production more and let the guitar be less of a less of something that I have to like do, you know. Mm-hmm. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio Lossy. Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Blitz and Goodhertz. It's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with very compressed audio. You're hearing it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my playing dynamics. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossy, I invite you to head over to chaseflintsaudio.com. I think you're going to like what you find. Well, it makes sense, though. You're sitting there by yourself. And the goal is to make the coolest sounding thing you can, generally speaking. It doesn't necessarily sound that cool if One Step Closer was just that riff over and over again with nothing else. It's a sick riff, but it would be dumb if that's all it was. Sure. So you have to try to write these things and imagine what the other people might do with it. And that's, yeah. that's harder than just making it sound cool to you in your bedroom. Like, right. That's you can, really you can fill it out and just like make it the biggest, heaviest sounding, and then there's not space for everybody to do their own thing. But it's really hard to it's like try to imagine what the other people in the band are going to do before they do it. Right. And I, I guess that's really just sort of stepping more into a producer-type role as well, instead of just being like, I'm the guitar guy, I'm going to write guitar riffs. It's like, no, how do I... How do I sort of leave a space for everything? Um, mm-hmm. And it's difficult, and I'm definitely not super great at it, but it's fun to try. And uh, luckily, everybody in my band is sick and very talented, and we have a we have a really really awesome producer who we work with that has definitely made me better at songwriting and producing 
just by being near him. So yeah, fortunately I don't have to do everything, you know, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice to be able to just like be the, uh, be the initial idea guy, you know, and sometimes we use those things and other times the stuff that we use gets written in the span of like one hour at our producer studio. And we're just like, wow, where did this song come from? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Not going to complain. Let's just roll with it. That's the best feeling when that happens. When it's so the when best you're songs too. Oh, the best so songs good. Happens so fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you heard it or not. You, I know you checked out some snippets of the show, but the intro music that plays right before, after the intro, and then uh, there's then there's some, a small chunk of music. It's just a sim- mm-hmm. super simple riff. What that is is my old band. We were in the studio and. We had done the, usually the songs were written by me or one of the other guys. It was kind of split 50 50. And then we mm-hmm. would bring it to the band and we'd spice it up from there. But the, the meat and potatoes was written by one of us independently. This one was actually like kind of, com- it was composed completely differently. The guitarist took, like, the drummer wrote all the words. The, uh, the other guitarist that doesn't do a lot of writing took and made like kind of the chord structure. And it was like really like a big melting pot of stuff. But when we got done, we're like, this song means a lot to us, but it's, it's kind of boring. Like it's just goes and goes and goes. And there's not a lot of dynamics to it. And all of a sudden I just come up with that riff that da, 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 da. And it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit the song really at all. It kind of just <laughs> punches you in the face out of nowhere. Yeah. And it was like, we were like, oh, that did it. That fixed the song. It's not boring anymore. Because it's, it's just that block, though, that you hear in the intro. I just cut it out and used it for my intro music for the last oh, nice. you know, eight years or whatever. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. sometimes, it, that, and that's how it happened. We were, we were like, what are we going to do? We're going to have to scrap this song. But it's the lyric. It's lyrically very important to us. So, how do we not scratch? You know, scrap the song. And I just was like, I did that. And we're like, that's it. That's what we need. It took about thirty seconds, and it. it it's a good feeling. <laughs> it's yeah. a really nice feeling. Yeah, that's oh, man. It's the best feeling, and I think that. Um, I don't know. There's something to be said about that. Um, are you familiar with Melissa Cross? You know who that is? Oh, yeah, definitely. Melissa Cross has this... Um, Actually, for the and, listeners, you probably I'll let you explain who she is a little bit. Yeah, uh, if you're not familiar with her, she is, she's like the vocal coach for metal, hardcore, hard rock vocalists. Has she, been forever. Yeah, she's, mm. she's known as the, the Scream Queen. She basically will teach people how to safely and effectively vocalize for m- more hard, aggressive styles of music. Um, so she works with our band, um, our singer Garrett and her work pretty closely together. And um, she's amazing. Love her. Sweet, sweet woman. Uh, everybody in the metal world knows her and loves her. And if you, yes. you don't know who she is and you are in that world, I don't know how you don't know her. But um, she has this analogy of about vocalizing, which is like, you can't do something if you're thinking about it. You have to just do it. If you're if you're thinking about doing the thing, like oh, here comes my guitar solo. I better run through it in my head. Really, you know, that's you need to be like not in that frame of mind. You need mm-hmm. to be you need to be present in your body, but not thinking about what's happening. She talks about how like you think people playing football are like thinking about every little move. Now they're just 
those are like trained motions, muscle memory, like instinctual awareness of what's going on. So anyways, all that to say, her, her talking about not thinking and just doing, I feel like you coming up with that 30 seconds riff is like an example of that, where the coolest thing happens when you're not even trying to. And that's been my experience with writing music is like, I've spent literally six months on the first 10 seconds of a song and show somebody else. And within a minute, they're like, what if it does this? And I'm like, well, cool. I just wasted six months of my life on this intro. And you came up with the correct thing to to go there very quickly Mm -hmm. because you weren't thinking you were just like reacting. And so (laughs) I I sound so hypocritical talking about how that's the way to write when I sit in here and just listen to the same minute of music on repeat for (laughs) days and days, like obsessive and can't take my own advice. Um, But yeah, that's been my experience is like when you're not even trying to, the coolest thing happens. And then it just makes, it makes it all worth it. It makes all of the, the hyper-focused, annoyed, stressed out, not sleeping states worth it. I think. Yeah. I get it, though. I mean, I don't think you get those aha moments without putting in a ton of work in other places, though. You can't not think and do unless you've done the reps. You know, that's why why football players don't have to think about it because they've trained their whole life to to do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're a guitar player, you know, hopefully you've you've done your reps and you've practiced and you understand the instrument enough to know that like when you hear, when you hear, da, 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 you know how to play that and you don't right. need to like sit and figure it out. You're just like, Oh, I had this idea. And it's these notes of the scale of the key of the song that we're in. So it should be, yep, that's it. And there you go. Yeah. Well, I have to sit and figure everything out because my brain's not very good, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, is that drop? Z? I don't know what that is. Let me just sure. fumble around on the fretboard until I figure it out. Sure. But, but yeah, it does. It comes from the time, you know, and even just like how to get your idea. Like I hear it in my head. How do I get this idea to my fretboard? Mm. It, you don't do that without sitting down with the guitar and obsessing over parts for hours and hours and hours. That's that's the only way. So you don't really get one without the other, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a a good point. Well, we're approaching the end of the episode, and I got two classic questions I like to wrap these up on. But before I do, I like to give the guests a chance to take the stage, you know, shout out your grandma, plug anything you want to plug. You're talking to a couple thousand people right now, so the floor is yours, sir. Yeah, um, plug my grandma for sure. Um, No, let's see. I have to plug Neural DSP for um, for having us on board. We're about to be Quad Cortex users, so shout out to them. Shout out to Balagir. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with their guitars or basses, you should check them out. If you're looking for something custom, I really wouldn't recommend any other company other than them. They're just amazing. Uh, let's see. Silent Planet has a record coming out on November 3rd. Ooh. It's called Super Bloom. Very excited about that. I think it's I think it's our best work yet. I'm sure everybody says that about every record that they have coming out, but um I th- I think it's leaps and bounds 
above where we used to be as a band. I'm very excited for people to hear it. Um, I mentioned at the start of this episode a secret tour mm-hmm. that I can't give any information about. However, I can say that it is in mm, January in America. And that's all I can say. Oh, but that's man. happening. Um, yeah, we're we're writing and hoping to just start releasing well, you know, the album's coming out, but then after that, the goal is to just release music a lot more frequently in smaller batches and keep things interesting and keep the story of our band moving a bit quicker than just waiting two years for another record, waiting three years for another record. So, yeah. Um, and shout out to you for having me. This has been really fun. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it, dude. Thank you for coming on and taking the time. This has been great. Yeah. All right. So... Final classic questions. My brain like turned off there for a second. I was like, what am I saying? Where am I? <laughs> wow, that was weird. Uh, classic questions. Here we go. First one. What is your favorite boss pedal? Oh, man. Um, probably the OC5. Oh, the OC5. Yeah. What do you like um, about the OC5? I I bought it when I was uh, during COVID. I was on a bit of a, a jazz guitar kick, and I was watching people like uh, Kurt Rosenwinkel or Gilad Hexelman playing solo guitar and using this octave or pedal to basically only affect the lower register of their guitar, so that when mm-hmm. they're when they're doing really crazy voicings, they can still have a thumb or a finger down low to play the bass note, and so. Um, yeah, just in recent memory, that's the most the most I've used a boss pedal that I've ever owned. Um, I guess maybe back in the day it would have been like the DD3 or something, just a classic. But yeah, the OC5 is really cool, and I use it often at home. Nice, nice. Yeah. I think that's the first time anybody's pulled the OC5. I, yeah. I, I did not see that coming. Yeah, I mean, what do people normally say? The HM2 or like the chorus or... <laughs> <laughs> the tuner. <laughs> That's definitely yeah. the most popular answer. I usually, usually, depending on who it is, I'll usually press for another answer. But mm. that is the most popular answer is the tuner. That's Yeah, well, I mean, it's yeah, it's pretty standard. Mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> it revolutionized things. It's important. I get it. Yeah. Like, I think it was one of the, it was certainly the first mass adopted pedal tuner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also you can throw it off a building and it's still probably going to work. So yeah. Yeah. To yeah you, shout true. out the, to the mighty TU two as well. <laughs> All right. Final question. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, man, I'm going to get some flack for this. <laughs> I love pizza. I'll eat I any kind too. of pizza for starters. I will eat any kind. I'm not like a, like a snob. However, my favorite kind of pizza, I'm a pineapple person. Oh, I do it. You admitted it publicly. Wow. I do it, yeah. I mean, I understand that on paper that sounds disgusting and bizarre and weird, but uh, it's just, I don't know. I love it. I also frick with peanut butter on it. I don't know if you've ever done that. Not on pizza. I did it on burgers before, but I've never done it on pizza. Oh, peanut butter and jelly burger is also mwah, chef's kiss. But yeah, doesn't doesn't yeah. sound good, but it is. 
it somehow yeah. is. Yeah. That's kind of that's how pineapple on pizza is for me. And I understand that I think I'm probably in the minority of people who enjoy that, but I love it. Sorry. No, you're not. I've I've t- I've done this podcast for a long time and I've asked that question since I think episode 40 or 60. We're on like 380 or so now. Wow. Um nice. it's about 50/50. Really? I have to say. Yeah, it, well, it feels What do ab- people normally say? Uh it it depends. You know, there's some pe- people that are like pizza connoisseurs and I find that I sl- I I'm a little more in that ballpark. I'm not like an expert by any means, but I definitely can get a little snobby about about my pizza, but you know, it, it really varies. Really varies more than you would ex- ex- expect. Um I'm still waiting for the person to be like I, I don't even like pizza. Oh, I got I'm one waiting for, for you. That. I got one you, for you. He's not a guitar player though, so that like actively does like would choose almost anything else other than pizza. Like, really? That's yeah. wild. My drummer. Really? Yeah. That's tough. That's gotta be tough on the road. He also doesn't drink coffee. Doesn't like ever? doesn't like it. He doesn't, doesn't like, like it. Yeah. Hmm. That's a rarity among, I mean, I feel like it's got to be something like at least 70, 80% of like the, the world is addicted to caffeine or coffee. Now, and, admittedly, when I switched to this job, I got to make, you know, mostly my own, my own hours to, for, for the most part. And my coffee consumption went way, 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 way down. Like I'll have it once in a while. But the nice thing about that is once you reduce your caffeine consumption down to where you just have it occasionally, mm. when you have it, it works like really, really well. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. Woo, here we go. Yeah. It, it's better all of a sudden. I've done a little bit of like a caffeine detox or not detox, but a cessation from caffeine for, mm-hmm. I did it for like a, about a month earlier this year, but it wasn't because I don't like coffee. It was just because no. I was curious what life would be like without it. And uh, coming back to it, yeah, I had the realization that you had, like, holy, this actually does something to you when you're not doing it every day. Mm-hmm. But no, my drummer just doesn't like it. Doesn't like and pizza, doesn't like coffee. What what, what? What? kind of musician is that? I don't understand. Like metal musicians, that was our life for a long time. Like <laughs> the venue is going to pay you in Little Caesars cheese pizza and, you know, we have to have coffee to wake up and not be groggy and have a headache. So mm-hmm. he's really just, he's breaking the mold, I guess. What does he like? Is there any, like that's that's almost like serial killer territory. I feel like <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you something. Uh, he likes uh, he likes Chinese food. Okay, um, all right. He's like a ramen guy. I guess he likes Asian food. I do. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm down with it. Yeah, m- me too. I just mm. the the no pizza, no coffee thing is pretty rare amongst touring musicians. I, I would think say. it's pretty rare in general. Just flat out pretty rare. I think but, so. But especially amongst this population, does yeah. he do caffeine at all? Though does he do like energy drinks or? No, I mean he'll drink that? he'll drink tea from time to time, but he's not like a caffeine person. Um, and that I can understand too. My wife's really sensitive to it. Mm. She she doesn't love like strong coffee. I mean that said, there's a coffee shop in Nashville that both of us are obsessed with, and we which one is it. that? Uh, Barista parlor. Oh, BP. Yeah, I live in yeah. Nashville. I'm here right now. So. Oh, you are. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Nashville is my home away from home. I go there 
several times a year. Oh, sweet. Uh, yeah. So have to Dude, say next hi. time you're here. Yeah. BP. Yeah. But oh, I'll leave man. my drummer. I'll leave my drummer at home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love barista parlor. I think about it all, all the time. Mm, so good. Sweet. That place. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we're going to talk about natural a little bit over on Patreon. Does that work for you? Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you for hanging out. I really appreciate it. And thank you to the listeners for getting this far. I appreciate all of you for taking all the time. It really means a lot. All right, everybody. My name is Blake. And for Mitch, always, as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There you go, people. There you have it. There's another episode in the can. And of course, we got into it on Patreon. You know we did. That's how we do every week. So if you would like extra bonus episodes coming directly to your ears, slide over to patreon.com slash tone mob. And for five bucks a month, you will get access to all of those bonus episodes, including all the ones from years and years ago. Those are all over there, too. And you will also get access to the ad free feed for the same price. So please slide over there and check it out if you can. It seriously helps out so, so, so much. And if you can't, I get it. But please, please, I know I beg for this every single week, but please share this with a friend. Share this with somebody that you think might enjoy it. That's what keeps this show going. That's what makes this all possible. Thank you to everybody who has ever done that. And thank you to everyone who has supported this show in any way, shape, or form. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you on the internet very soon. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. 
Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.